0: You stand before the gates of Castle Draldex. The four of you have worked hard to reach the precipice upon which you now stand. Goldron, the dwarf cleric, within lies your people's fabled relic, the Heart of Gold. Mina, the honorable human paladin, your righteous crusade, ends with your blade in the heart of the castle's dark master. Yeltsin, your elven magics divine this location. With the end of its Dark Lord's reign, your people will be freed from their curse. And finally... Fredo, your halfling's quest... It, it was for more ale, right? Right. Oh, oh right. The, the Amber Froth font, The greatest and eternalest of ales. Yes. The Amber Froth font, Greatest and eternalest of ales. Yes. The Dark Lord has been wetting his whistle with it for far longer than you would have liked. And it's time you had a taste for yourself. As you stand on the cliff, the smell of the sea mixing with the souring scent of dark magic, you're surprised as the rocky ground gives way a terrible beast with sapphire scales talons black as night a single jagged horn protruding from its serpentine forehead it stands five men high with wings that could carry it aloft at any moment but it's not flying its fanged maw opens a brilliant arc of lightning erupts at you roll for initiative and that is the start of our dungeons and dragons episode that's right Ryan O'Connor and I are total nerds, and we love D&D and all sorts of tabletop RPGs, and Morrison is out traveling right now. Yep, that's
1: right. This is what happens when Morrison's not here to reign in Austin, and yes. I'm just not going to care either way. Well, you probably have more, you remember more stories than I do. Which is terrible, because I'm on an active, lifelong quest to kill off all my brain cells. <laughs> and somehow and I still end up with a crappy memory. It's because you're Austin, and yep. that's what you do. Yeah, so that opener is is not a uh, metaphor for anything. Austin's really gonna talk about D and D with me for about forty five minutes to an hour. So to all those people that are
0: like, well, then we're gonna go from the PewDiePie episode to this. Yeah, give it a listen. It's pretty great. I was gonna say you can go now. No, no, you want to stick around because D and D and RPGs at large. But we're probably gonna keep saying D and D, Dungeons and Dragons. Well, is what so most people know. One of the best things that you could do with your brain. One of the most. It's the most fun you can have with your mind.
1: I will disagree, but sure.
0: Wow. All right. Well, all right, well I guess I guess we could, we could start this episode off on that note. What's better? What's a more enjoyable act that you could do with your mind?
1: Try to kill it off with alcohol.
0: All right. So using it to move your arm into your mouth and drink alcohol. Fantastic. Is all that right. what
1: you do? You move your arm into your mouth? Is that how you drink <laughs> alcohol? <laughs> that, maybe I've been doing it wrong. I think that's why you probably don't enjoy drinking. <laughs> uh, I'm going to take my arm and then go... Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that sounds like drinking to me anyway. Wow, that is that is not how I sound when I've been drinking.
1: Usually I... there's a lot more cursing and jokes that really don't hit the mark ever.
0: Maybe maybe you're doing it wrong. So Ryan, why don't you start us off with an overview of what D&D is for? for probably... The few, I will say, because I imagine at this point most people have heard of Dungeons & Dragons. They might not know what it is exactly. It is large enough in the public consciousness now because it's been gaining a lot of popularity in the last couple of years. That's true.
1: Dungeons & Dragons is what's known as a tabletop or pen and paper RPG. This means exactly as the description says. A group of nerds sit around a table together and roleplay characters they create through both rolling and collaborative storytelling. So if you play video games, uh, if you're thinking like Final Fantasy or even World of Warcraft, you're pretty much
0: hitting the mark there. D&D is a bunch of people, which I suppose if they're playing D&D, you might call them nerds, sitting around a table, playing a game together. You have pencils, you have paper, you have dice. Nowadays, some people don't have pencils and paper, they just use their iPads. Oh, Generally, that's a shot at me? Yeah, it's that's a, a shot a sh- at Uh, I roll dice. I just keep my character sheet on my iPad because it's the year 2017 and it's easier. When Kindle puts out a new Paperwhite, I'm probably going to buy one and hope that it can... Read PDFs it's well. It's
1: probably terrible because everything on Kindle is terrible.
0: I have a ton of freaking RPG books, and I would love to have them all consolidated onto a PDF reader. I have an iPad. It's eye strain. It's long-term eye strain. The one thing that the Paperwhite does well is avoid eye strain because it's not shooting light directly into your eyeballs. So D and D is a group of people sitting around a table playing a game. Generally, one of them takes the role of a game master or a dungeon master. That's the person that I think we runs should go with dungeon game.
1: master for the day to really hammer home how this
0: game is. Yeah. Well. Okay, so we'll say DM, because that's what I'm going to default to. Other games say GM or Storyteller, because you want to get even more nerdy. Actually, what's you more think, nerdy? Du-
1: you think out of the three,
0: Dungeon Master is the least nerdy? No, I, th- I just think Storyteller is the most nerdy. Absolutely not. Uh, really? Dungeon Master Try
1: Storyteller Dungeon like, Master sounds William awesome Shakespeare is a storyteller You say Dungeon Master You instantly think Mountain Dew and Cheetos
0: Roll my dice for me So I can stab the dragon One of them is the Dungeon Master They're running the game uh, Harmon Quest Dan Harmon He's a show creator He made a community And he's part of Rick and Morty He put it very well. All the players are playing through a game, and the dungeon master is kind of the processor. He's he's kind of the computer. You give the input there, and and he will roll or rule how things would play out before you put in more input. So that's the best way that I've seen it described. He also plays the bad guys, too. Well, you play the good guys and the bad guys. You play everyone that's not the players. Being the DM, you're basically, you're, if you're playing Skyrim, you're everyone except for the Dragonborn. So, uh, like,
1: if 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 this was a movie, he would be the director.
0: Yeah, he. W- I guess he would be the director and the writer. Don't get
1: too technical. And the you actors only that isn't the, the one. At-
0: so he is running the game. He sets the, the stage. Theme. The stage, the atmosphere, everything that the players want to do, he gives context for. Dungeons and Dragons did not start out as heavily narrative. It started with fantasy war games. Actually, it it was when uh, Lord of the Rings was popular. When they had the Hobbit cartoon movie, that's when fantasy war games were really popular. And there were some people that were like, okay, so I have, you know, they have like different kinds of units, and what if you just played one of them, and then you needed to know more about them, and then you needed to know what they were doing, and and basically that's where Dungeons and Dragons came from. It came from tabletop. Wargaming. Except, I guess people wanted to learn about the fantastical fantasy lives of these imaginary characters and play through them.
1: That's good. It's like, yeah, so it's people, once again, who have no experience with this. So, like, imagine if you're playing Aragorn from Lord of the Rings or Frodo or Sam or Gandalf. Like, you're playing as them. So, like, you are playing as Aragorn. Yes. and And you've got to destroy the ring. So, the dungeon master tells you, like, okay, this is how you do it, and these are all the places that you explore, and and uh, they he plays the bad guy he plays like Sauron or Sauron, and you're and you got to stop him
0: you go to a town and you go into the inn the tavern and the dungeon master plays the barkeep he plays all the the people in the inn except for the players and basically anyone that they want to talk to is talk through through the dm it's it's a lot of hats Do
1: you uh, want to get to the dice aspect of it because people seem to think that that's also the other major part
0: which it is yeah, I mean I mean what? So pencils, paper, dice. Yeah, that's what you need. So and books. So yes, uh, there are many different sided die uh, dice in this game. Uh so the the this the D six, the, the six sided die. A that's die with the one four everybody sides. Goes. That's yes. what you,
1: that's you rolling for with craps. That's what you're doing when you're playing any board game you're when rolling When you're playing that, Witcher Dice a...
0: Poker, that's that's the ones that you roll with. That's so the four sided, six sided 8-side, all the way up to 20-side. 20-sided die is probably the most recognizable. It's called a D20. If you see people with t-shirts that have, like, a a weird die on it, it's probably a D20. That is what you generally roll to see if your character succeeds or fails at something. That's about right. I mean, I'm not going to go into the
1: curvature and the angles of all the die. The beauteous curve. What the dice do, and this is the most important part, I feel, it's the element of chance in the things that your characters and the bad guys are doing. So you want to climb a rock, you roll the dice. If you roll high, it's good. If you roll low, it's bad. So you roll the D20, which is the 20-sided dice, which is really the main one that you use for Dungeons & Dragons. It's like, I'm going to climb that rock. Roll it. You roll a 16 out of 20. That's not bad. You probably
0: climb that rock. You roll a 4, you're not climbing that rock. If you're trying to scale a wall, like a castle wall, and you roll a four and you're halfway up, probably gonna fall. Probably gonna fall off. That's what the
1: dungeon master does. See, like you said, he's the computer. He processes it. So you roll high, he's like, okay, well,
0: yeah, you do it. You climb that rock or you climb that wall. Roll low, he's gonna be like, "Uh, your rope gives way and you fall off. Yeah, and let's say you need to roll a 16 if you want to pierce the dragon's scales and get through to its heart. That's not a great chance. That's a 25% chance. Wait, is that right?
1: I I don't know. I'm not doing probability today. Yes,
0: that is a 25% chance. So that's not great, but, you know, with enough rolls, if you don't die, you might do it. It's literally like a video game. Things have hit points. There's, There's a difficulty level for certain things and the dice are that element of chance. They help they help move the story along in in directions that you don't know that they'll go in because success is not guaranteed because if success was guaranteed then it would be boring.
1: The most important part is the fact that it it tells you what you're doing. Like your character can be good at certain things and you get bonuses based off of that. So like if you're like uh, a really strong guy, you're probably going to climb the rock a lot better than a wizard who's really thin and frail and, and, and can't do those kind of things that well. Yes, but, but, but the perhaps dice the wizard always...
0: can cast a spell to shape the walls into a ramp. He probably could.
1: He probably could do that. It I was depends on how powerful the, fact, but, the wizard but is. But the, <laughs> the D20 gives you the chance that everybody can pull it off. So it's like, yeah, maybe maybe the wizard finds a good handhold and he can climb up faster than the than the big dumb
0: fighter guy. Wow, so, yeah, just because you're a fighter doesn't mean that you're dumb. That's rude. That's rude, and you're assuming his intelligence. Wow, so we're going to bring 20th century theories to,
1: to this game now? It's like, no. how dare you assume about 21st my 21st
0: century. It can be played with as little as one DM and one player, but you usually want at least three players, and... Probably you cap out at, like, six or seven players. It's actually about the same amount for, of work for the DM if you have, like, seven players. But the problem is there's only one DM and his attention's being divided to, like, seven players, which is yeah, too much. Yeah,
1: so you mostly want to stick to three or four or five.
0: Yeah, yeah, that, that's, that, that's the sweet spot. You don't overload the computer with too much input. <laughs> exactly. And especially when
1: you're the person running at Austin, I never want to overload you because asking you to walk and chew gum
0: sometimes is a little much. Which is amazing because that is my favorite thing to do. Uh that is to DM games. I liked being a player in fact up until late college. I I preferred to play games and we started playing. Oh god, when did we start playing?
1: I started in 2000 when I started writing up my final podcast. Yeah, Seriously? 2000. That was
0: 13. Started? I
1: was 13. I was a little bit late to the game. It was 8th grade for me.
0: Ah, uh, wait, when did I when did I start? I mean, I started when we found that game shop. There was a game shop. I was actually looking to get better at playing chess cuz I thought that would be really cool. Uh and there wow. was, yeah, and there was a game store that we drove by one day, and it had a chess piece on the on the sign, and so we I went in there, or rather eventually i I got my parents to drive me there. Half of the place was a paintball shop, but the other place did not have chess; it did have people playing war games, people playing computer games, and people playing dungeons and dragons, and I had no idea what it was. I asked, and I was told to sit down and make a character. And that was the start uh, into total nerddom. Actually, I guess if I was looking at chess, I was already a nerd.
1: You were already a nerd. There you go. Let's be honest.
0: Uh, Okay, so I found my my nerd niche. (laughs) You
1: did. You did. And then you you took to it like a fish to water.
0: Oh, man. So awesome. As I said, however, I I really liked playing for a long time. And it wasn't until my early mid-20s that I really enjoyed running Dungeons & Dragons and other RPGs. Uh, because I find that it keeps me more active and you have to be on the whole time. And I really enjoy that, I guess. O'Connor, oh, how did you actually get like fall into it?
1: I fell into it in 2000 because I was friends with... I started becoming friends with Ryan Morrison, Mr. Video Game Attorney, and Ryan Golden, our other friend. Yes, there's three of us. There's three Ryans. But the two of them i started becoming friends with and they're like oh well, you should come to this place on friday night and i'm like well what is it and they're like oh we play games here and stuff and i'm like okay because this is what the, and this is what set me down to the dark side so yeah i came to the same gaming place that you're talking about strategy game corner and i met you and i hung out with Morrison and golden and we met a couple other nerds and we started playing games together and well, that's pretty we,
0: much- we would we had met before then right
1: we did. We already went over this in my interview podcast. Come on now, Austin. Step all it up. Right. <laughs> I knew of you, but I didn't know you anymore. I met you in second grade, and we hadn't talked for six years at this
0: point. Oh, all right. Wow. Well, see, I don't remember any of that. So, you
1: t- wh- How do you—what like? What happens to all the memories that you have? Does it just go into like a brain blender and just— brrr, I it really have, have no idea.
0: Actually, so that's interesting that, that it was Morrison who introduced you to Strategy Game Corner. Yes. It's uh. very
1: funny. He played Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> with the rest of us. I mean, oh, man. He, by far, he's the person that's played the most amount of World of Warcraft. I mean, granted, those are two separate things, and one's a video game and one's not, but there is a huge bit of RPG nerd in him that he refuses to admit to.
0: Oh, whoa, 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 okay, since this is going into that whole area anyway. Uh, I wouldn't separate World of Warcraft too far from Dungeons & Dragons because it was while in the post-high school diaspora where everyone... Moved away to different areas, and we no longer had our our core gaming group. You and Morrison went to Albany, etc. Morrison and I were playing lots of World of Warcraft, and we founded a role playing guild. Instead of playing at like raiding dungeons and that kind of stuff, we would have this narrative story uh, alongside playing the game. Basically, we were playing Dungeons and Dragons in World of Warcraft i just didn't realize it until i found another new game store with, with cool people that i played with that once i started fi- uh, playing D D again i lost interest in the world of warcraft role-playing guild because i was getting my fix again ah, I, and it was at that point that i realized like wow i don't know what to say it was, at that, point that I, it I gotta, was at that I point that i realized elf. i gotta do it <laughs> you want to like, you, you roleplay elves gotta, uh <laughs> i gotta do it man i haven't role played now for weeks that was the moment of clarity that i realized wow we founded the role-playing guild and we ended up it was huge we had a ton of people and i felt bad because as soon as i started playing D D again i i it i was so much less interested in the in the in the world of warcraft guild Eventually, we handed it off. You know, we didn't just disband it. We handed it off to people that we trusted. But that was like an epiphany for me. It's like, wow, I we did all this. We did all this because I because ha- we haven't been playing D&D. <laughs> and that was, like I guess, that was the closest thing that we could get to playing a narrative tabletop role-playing game. DD is a ton of fun. It also... It also doesn't always go smooth. Sometimes there's some chunks in there.
1: Yeah, for every uh, Lord of the Rings, there's those, like, ten other books that no one read because they're garbage.
0: Like the Chronicles of Xanth. What the hell is that? I hate you so much. it's a it's a not well known fantasy series that or doesn't rather I was talking about ones that sucked, not unknown ones.
1: Oh my God, okay. Uh... This is an episode on Unearthing really good fantasy novels. It's an episode about how we messed up playing d and d when we were teenagers.
0: So a really bad fantasy novel would be. Thieves of Blood. It was a d d book, actually. A lot of them are fantastic. Dragonlance novels, I believe that those were crack for Ryan Morrison. Thieves of Blood. That book was, maybe it just wasn't for me. It was so bad that I couldn't get past page, like, 50. What was
1: I, terrible about it?
0: Every description of the characters, it felt really generic. It felt There's like a I was guy reading. with it, a hood on. He seems... Untrustworthy. There was nothing interesting about it. I felt like I was reading through a boring D D game. I couldn't. I couldn't actually read it. I've I've read lots of books that I thought were okay, but I just enjoy reading. Uh, he has a knife. He and like the he had like a half dang. orc like accomplice, and it was like uh, it, it was just so bad. And the descriptions, were, the writing was bad. That was the problem. And I hope the author isn't listening to this and no, feeling awful not. about it. it's that guy. That was you know what
1: I wrote that book and I really thought it did a good job.
0: But thieves and now of it's blood.
1: completely shitting on it.
0: We're on how things don't always go smoothly. Yes, and a lot of the problem that starts. Is because when you're playing, you've never played a game like this before.
1: You're also teenagers. So there's hormones and there's a lot of lack of deodorant when there should be deodorant. It's just you're growing up. But you're all growing up together, but you're trying to do something that's a collaborative thing. And all it takes is one of those teenage little D-bags. throw a wrench in the goddamn works
0: yes especially because even the computer is also a teenager it's it's very easy to throw the train off of its rails
1: that is correct (laughs) unlike that story that you just talked about the blood thieves or whatever thieves of blood looking back on it It's not so much boring as hilariously terrible.
0: Oh, yeah. Every one of these train wrecks, if you write it out, and actually people do it online all the time, they write out these train wrecks. They are hilarious to read about. However, you have to remember that there are like five or six people that are sitting around that table. Hopefully they're enjoying themselves despite the fact that the train is crashing through towns and just just, just destroying everything generally you know you want to you want to make sure everyone has a good time that is the primary job of the of the dm by the way is to try I think to make sure everyone the has primary a good time. goal is for everybody to have fun oh yeah that's what you're that's what you're there for you're winning D. it's not if you kill the dragon or if you slay the sorcerer it's it's if everyone's having fun
1: that's true
0: So we're
1: going to (laughs) tell you some stories about our teenage years and where the rest of you are trying to either hook up with guys or girls and uh, raid your parents' liquor closet. We did this instead. But this is what Austin and I and some stories will include your beloved video game attorney. This is what we did instead. You want me to start off with the fish sword?
0: Like I said, you have the best memory of the story, so go for it.
1: Here's the story of Ryan and the fish sword. So like I just told Austin and uh, viewership before, I started playing games in the year 2000, which is just before the third edition of Dungeons and Dragons came out. Yes, there's five total. One just came out three years ago, but this is the story of... Technically, there's way more than five. (laughs) Thank you. So, we started in 2000. I was a young 13-year-old chap, acne-ridden, and not too cool. So, I started with a character that was a human fighter. Fighters are good at, guess what, fighting. Yeah. I also thought my character was a pretty pious fellow, and he wanted to be a knight. So... I, I would always role play my character. I'm like, once we get to town, I go to the temple and I pray a lot.
0: Oh man, that's so great! Uh, you were you were a better you were a better player at 13 than. Screw that! I wanted some bonuses. I wanted my character to turn into a paladin, which is oh, a knight that's, right. that's granted with holy
1: powers, which you couldn't just play right off the bat. Sometimes. Well,
0: yeah, that's right. Okay, so yes, way back when they had you had to like earn your way, or you had to roll really well when you were making the character. Some and of the, I like the, not do that. Some so. of the classes were really good, but they were really hard to get. Yeah. So basically, O'Connor wanted to to reach that pinnacle of, of holy paladin smiting hood. Yeah, like
1: King Arthur, but with magical powers.
0: Yes! Granted to him by a god! Yeah, so that's what I would do. I'd be like, okay,
1: we get back into the town? Alright, I run in and I start praying a lot. So, our friend Chris, who was the dungeon master at the time, eventually he comes over and he hears that I'm really excited about this, and this is what I want for my characters, and him to become a paladin. Mighty fighter. So, He goes, you know what? The gods, they answer your prayers. I'm like, what? No way. (laughs) And I'm like, so you're going to think this is before, you know, I died inside. So I actually had hopes and dreams and optimism. And excitement. Yeah. I'm like, yes. What happens? He's like, all right. Well, they respond to you and you're given a boon, which is a a magical ability to do something. Like, okay, what did I get? And he's like, all right. So there's a fish now on your sword. (laughs) And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And I'm like, is it like a fish emblem or is it like an engraving of a fish? He's like, no It's a real fish, and I'm like, this is a real fish on my sword. It's like a sign from the gods. He's like, oh yeah, it's definitely a sign from the gods. I'm like, all right, all right. So what happens? He's like, all right. Well, as long as the fish stays on the sword, Ryan, you get magical abilities. I'm like, oh okay. He's like, but the fish flops off a lot, so you gotta make sure he stays on there. I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh all right. Okay, so I then run from the temple and I go into town. I'm like, all right, I got to tie this fish down. For some reason, the fish could magically breathe air, I guess. But he flopped around still. Well, it's a godfish. It's It's a godfish. So I got to tie him down. And I finally get there. And then Chris, our friend still to this day, is is like he's a little grin creeps across his face. He's like, well, just know that when that fish falls off, the gods are offended (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you're cursed. <laughs> Almost like like when you have the fish on there, you are got, got luck bonuses and everything. When you have the fish, straight, you're golden. You're blessed. So for everything you're blessed for, you're cursed for when that fish falls off. Oh, my off. God. And of course, our friend Chris, who's a mischievous bastard, is just like, all right, well... In the middle of the fight, you swing your sword. Well, the fish clearly comes off. You can't swing your sword that fast, Ryan. I'm like, well, what am I? <laughs> well, I got to fight these guys. He's like, well, you got to keep the fish on there. The
0: goblins, the goblins are attacking us. We have to fight them. Yeah, something's
1: fucking flopping around. <laughs> tie the thing on there. So of course, like, I continue to try to do this because I just have that young man's optimism of like, I'm going to make this work one, one day. know oh, that my friend is clearly just fucking with me to just destroy my dreams as he's ah. want to do as friends are want to do guys can't friends. feel things like happiness and joy no we got to take those dreams we got to crush them my character continues to fight and the fish would freaking flop off everybody else has normal magic weapons we say ryan is that fish still on there i'm like i think so i think so <laughs> i think this time yeah, it's like oh no it comes flying off
0: <laughs> oh, I'm my like, oh my god that
1: guy's got cursed so shockingly I didn't play that guy for for much longer as I realized that he that my friend was not trying to help me or the gods had really not answered my prayers. I think the gods had answered your prayers
0: yeah, in that except context. Except our god is
1: named Chris and he's a cruel, <laughs> a cruel, cruel god. Cruel god.
0: god. <laughs>
1: with a uh, sense of humor. So that so,
0: was the story of Ryan and the fish sword. So what we saw there, you could blame on age. What I've found playing with new people as time goes on, people that haven't played the game before is that a lot of people you expect like teenagers okay that they're playing a game they're going to want they want to go and kill everything that has stuff they want right so yeah. Yeah, so, so, you know, it's your first time playing d d and you have your character sheet, and your guy's a barbarian, and he has this axe. But then you're in town, and you see another guy in the tavern that has an axe that's really cool looking, and it has, like, magic. And you think, oh man, I want that. So you go, and you find him when he's alone, and you kill him. This, it this works happens. It Yes, exactly, it works in Skyrim, right? So the so parties, like like parties of people like this, they get a, a, party that's called...
1: a group of characters that work together.
0: Yes. I, I think that's explanatory enough, right? That that's sure. not too crazy. Uh so so a group of players that act like this generally generally they're called murder hobos. And the reason for that is because they're adventurers, they travel around, they don't have a home, and they just kill whatever they want to and take their stuff. Sure. So so a party like this generally is called, like, called murder hobos. That's correct. I found that it's usually not an age thing. It's not because we started playing these games when we were like 13 or 15 and had hormones. It's the the clock that starts... Help. No, the clock starts... When you start playing your first game... I I introduced somebody, one of my best friends, Anderson. Uh, I I, I introduced him to D&D, and he's been a huge gamer for the longest time. Never wanted to play D&D. Or rather, he played D&D once in college, and he had an awful experience. He He played for like an hour, and he... He accidentally burned down a village, and he killed his other party member, the only other person he was playing with. It sounded like, from the description, like, I could give him a better experience. Realistically, it took about two years from me first mentioning it, until actually getting him to play. There was a combination of him and his fiance thinking it was too weird and too nerdy to play, but eventually I got him to sit down and we played a game, and I'll just lead off with the fact that he had a fantastic time, but he was another person. Again, this person is... He's, he's in his late 20s, and... One of the first things that he wanted to do was kick down the door to a villager's house and take his stuff. And so it's not it's not an age thing. I've I've had multiple instances of this. It is a when you start playing thing. You start maturing in in D when you start playing and it's your age through the game that you learn different styles of play cuz i don't want to say that that kicking down the the door and killing everything in sight is the wrong way to play cuz if everyone's having fun then that's great i i feel like you get a lot more out of games that you're more emotionally invested in not like super like like pouring tears out but that you care about what happens to this character and that you care about where things are going in the game.
1: It's like if you give someone who never had the internet before the internet. It's like the first thing you're going to do is like, "Oh my god, there's porn on here and I can <laughs> and I can type things to whoever I want and I don't get in trouble." So you're just going to go on there, start baiting and start typing really horrible shit to another human. Being. Oh my god. <laughs> I'll act like the, like the 90% of the people. No, you're just, probably right. Probably did that. So D&D's not unlike that. It's like once you give the person the ability to do whatever they want with no repercussions it's like well let's see what we it's like the first time we play
0: grand theft auto it's like wait i can shoot the cops like yeah oh yeah i'm gonna do whatever i want and it's and it is a beautiful thing it's why i encourage it's one of the reasons i encourage people to play DD that haven't played before because it is such an amazing thing when they realize that they can do whatever they want basically within bounds of the game so, what uh, did Anderson do? He kicked in the door and tried to rob a villager. Luckily, things worked out for him because the villager had respect for he was playing a dragonborn. He was a dragon man, so the villager happened to have respect for dragon men. so he was like, "Oh, of course, oh, of course, no, I'll take my money. I know that you'll help us with our problem. You'll help us with our problem, right And I guess it was the I guess it was the moral imperative in in Anderson that he felt that he said like, yeah." All right, I'll help you with your problem. That it's that light when he when he when they went out into town and it's like, okay, so where can we go? I'm like, well, there's a place, there's this place, that place, and they're like, oh, so we could go, we could go wherever. I'm like, yeah, you, yeah, you can go wherever. Just tell. It's like, to what everyone. if we wanted? To, it's like what Skyrim. If, it's like, what if we wanted to turn around and like go back down the road we came through? i like, you, I mean, you could do that too. It's like there's a city down there. Uh, you could, but you know, the, but the village is here. So that kind of realization of like, yeah, like like Skyrim, except with less leashes. At, with less leashes, and I don't know the fact that it's a social game. The fact that it is a, it's something that you're doing with a group of other people because I, because humans are social animals in general. Obviously, there are exceptions. There are people that like being alone more, but like I especially after college, I I am a very social person. I try to be anyway. So doing yeah. it with other people definitely gives it more, gives it more weight, gives it more worth. It's an experience. Uh, I I wouldn't say Skyrim's not an experience, but if you like Skyrim, go play, go go try D and D. If you live on Long Island, I'll help you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. But, Why don't you just
1: give out your whole address too?
0: Again, it's a beautiful thing, but the the horrible stories are are just just so great that I, I'm going to share one too because I had this character. This was in the this was in the third edition of the game. Uh, we started playing in the second edition. There's like I don't know what. There's like a seven year gap between editions. Usually something like that. Maybe usually. more. Anyway, so I think this is the third edition of the game. We were playing in a setting called Ravenloft, which is like vampires and mist and darkness everywhere. It's a, it's like bad a horror place. Theme. It's yeah, it's a well, it's a horror theme in in as much horror as you can get into a game where where zombies have hit points so you can kill them. So yeah, so we're playing this game and I'm a gunslinger. The the DM had these books that had rules for for having guns and being a dude with two guns. Oh man, you have so two you guns. That's gun so in a awesome. Fantasy game. You have alchemical ingredients and there 's alchemists, and there 's like bubbling frothing pots and that kind of stuff so so my guy was a gunslinger, two guns, and the wizard in the party could enchant bullets and this made this made my character very powerful and again, our friend chris was the was the dm he was running the game and, and I think that the issue was that the the powerful bullets and my character killing lots of stuff in this horror game where there 's supposed to be danger. The issue was that there was less challenge. he probably did something that he wouldn't do, or I would hope that he would not do now, like now that we've matured more uh-huh he he had my character abducted by a by a gun wraith uh this was a this was a ghost, like the ghost of a gunslinger that had died and still had ghost guns and wanted to duel my character, i guess because my character was super powerful, so he wanted to like. To kill me, really? This this Gunwraith was killed was created to kill my character. This does happen in games that I I'm being judgmental when I say that I don't think that those are good games unless both unless both the player and the DM are like, oh yeah, we should kill your character this way. Yeah, that'd be really cool. I was very unhappy to lose my character because this Gunwraith just killed me. I mean, it wasn't one shot. We had a duel. I, I guess it would be cool, except for the fact that the thing was created to kill my character. And so that I lost I lost a character that I thought was really cool. Uh, I I named I basically ripped him entirely off of a book series that I had read. Again, we were like like sixteen or something like that. So I, I think it was John Shano. Uh, I read in like this post apocalyptic fantasy gun. Who's totally not
1: John Snow. He's John Shano.
0: Oh no, this character John Shano is absolutely a character from a book. Oh. Uh so yeah, you no, did rip, not... you ripped someone off, just not the first I'm thing. pretty sure I took the name entirely. I'm pretty sure if you if we Googled John Shano, we would come up with the book series that it was from. The guy has two guns, and I think the both guns are for, like, each of his dead parents maybe. I don't know. Uh, wow. So you were, like, really teenage edgelord at this
1: point. It's like, yeah, dead parents – Guy with two guns.
0: My first character was a ranger named Elazar, which I think is like Aragorn's Elven name or something like that. Uh, oh, because that's like that's that's actually that's probably one of the most one of the most common characters is like people want to make like a human ranger if they know Lord of the Rings. They're like, oh shit, I can make Aragorn. That guy's awesome.
1: Well, uh, Viggo Mortensen is pretty cool.
0: Yes. Uh, so, so that was my. That was one of my first grief experiences, which was funny because up until so then I happens? had that so El character. Taken by the, you got taken by the gun ghost. Oh yeah, and he killed me basically. We had a duel. And I died after like two or three rounds of combat, uh, and then I. And then I, I probably made a new character. I don't, remember the, I don't remember the other character that well. I guess I really had a lot invested in my in my gunslinger character. So it's almost uh, like
1: Chris took one of your things that you enjoy and destroyed
0: it. Yes, he, he, you could say that he crushed it into a fine powder, a gunpowder almost.
1: He seems to be quite adept after our stories to do these kind of things.
0: Yeah, I'm not going. That see, that's the thing. There are different kinds of DMs. There are people that that run the game very different ways. Actually, I'm sure that a lot of people that are listening to this have heard of Critical Role. That that is one of the huge things that has been bringing D&D to, uh, to the foreground. That and that Stranger Things show, which was also pretty good. So Critical Role, the, the DM of that, Matt Mercer... Oh, oh, sorry. Okay, so people that don't know what Critical Role is, it is a show where a bunch of voice actors are playing their weekly D&D game. They'd been playing it for a year, and they were all like kind of co-workers. They started streaming the game online and it became this huge hit where hundreds of thousands of people watched them playing their game
1: yeah so when uh, austin says voice actor he actually means like people who use only their voices to portray their characters so, like when you're playing a video game and you're like oh like who's that guy doing that british accent these are those guys so you're talking about professional people who their voice is their talent
0: Yeah, and these people are all friends and co-workers. They're playing this game together, but they're incredible talent all together. So they started streaming this game, and this game was incredible enough that it popularized D&D for a lot of people. They had characters die. They were able to resurrect and all that kind of stuff. So I wouldn't say that that Matt Mercer was, like, an easy DM. I think only one character, like, died, died. And then even then he came spoilers. Wow, I haven't
1: even watched this. Thanks, Austin.
0: You're welcome. They have it in podcast form now. Oh, don't listen to that. Listen to us. Uh, (laughs) They can do both. So there's lots of different kinds of DMs. You can have DMs who, uh, it's called a Monty Hall campaign. DMs who just give out tons of easy magical items and make your characters get awesome. And that can be a lot of fun if if you're not looking for like difficulty or drama, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then there, and then there's games where uh, it's more of like a meat grinder, which can also be not fun uh, unless everyone's in for it, where your character's just dying and dying and dying and you're you're basically just looking forward to the next character. There's lots of different ways to play the game. It is such an it is such an open game and there's so many ways to play it and still have fun that. And the reason for that is because you have the rules. So everyone has a common experience, but, there's different traditions that, that build on that game. Like you might start with a tradition. You might start playing with a DM that kills characters really bad. And then one day you're running a game and it's like, Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't have to kill characters that much. You know, it's more fun if players keep their characters and enjoy them. Or you might find like, Oh man, killing characters is lots of fun. And the players that I'm, the people that I'm playing with, they love the hard challenge. Like they love those dark souls games and they want to feel like their lives are on the line every minute. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm glad
1: we're getting your your feelings on, on games, but I think people want to hear about the train wrecks.
0: Oh, my God. I'm sorry.
1: Yes. What's your next one? Well, it's not just the DMs or the Dungeon Masters that can ruin games for people. It's the players themselves can ruin them just as quickly. So let's tell about our friend Sean. Sean Allison has a very unique ability to never be able to offer any constructive criticism, and he backs that up by... Getting really giddy when he notices that he's criticizing you and you're getting upset. So let me tell you a story about the time Sean ruined a game for us before it even (laughs) started. So one time we decided to play a Star Wars RPG, which is kind of like Dungeons and Dragons, except set in the world of Star Wars or the universe of Star Wars. And he was going to make a diplomat. Who is really good at talking but not so great in a fight. Rolls up his character. He picks his stats and that's like what your character is good at. So like you could be – you could have a high strength score which means that you're strong or you could could be – Strong or or fast
0: or or smart or or charismatic.
1: Yeah, or charismatic. So he's really charismatic but he rolls and he gets a six for his strength score which is very low. Uh, I, I wrote how this has meant that he probably has the strength of a 1990s fashion model who hadn't eaten anything <laughs> besides cocaine in the past four weeks. So oh, he's God. like really skinny and is not <laughs> able to do much. He, but he can walk around and do things that normal human beings can do except he sees this and goes, oh, he can't do anything because he has six strength. And he keeps repeating that and it almost becomes like a mantra of sorts. Oh so, our God. friend Adam. Friend Adam, yes. Yes. Before I made your podcast good. So, our friend Adam's running the game, and he's like, okay, so you're on a spaceship and Sean instantly raises and goes uh, I'm gonna need help putting my luggage <laughs> in the overhead bin because you know I have six strength and I can't do this and Adam kind of rolls his eyes like okay someone else will help you put the things like okay good because I definitely can't lift it because I have six strength <laughs> uh, and then Adam's like okay whatever so he start, tries to start the game and goes alright so your ship's under attack I guess like either the Empire or a group of aliens decides to board our ship and Sean's like oh you know I can't really get into a fight though. I can't pick up my gun. And we all thought, <laughs> you can't pick up your gun. He's like, oh, well, I can't pick up my gun because I have six strength, guys. <laughs> and Adam, once again, is just like, okay, Sean, whatever. Like, you can pick up your gun. It's no problem. He's like, no, I'm pretty sure I can. I have six strength. And Adam, I guess, is now starting to give away the fact that he's getting annoyed by this. So, like I said, my friend Sean can't do. Th- now, once he smells the blood in the water, he's coming for you.
0: Oh, so you're making him sound like a shark, but he sounds more like a troll. <laughs> he's like a troll shark. <laughs> troll shark. So he starts trolling
1: it's a Adam great D&D, and think. he starts like every time he says, "I have six strength," he raises his bo- uh, voice in both volume and pitch. So it starts like, "I have six strength," then it's like. I have six strength. I can't possibly do this because I have six strength. So so every (laughs) single thing that we do for the rest of the game, this is the first game we've ever played these characters. He's like, I can't do that, Adam, because I have six strength. It's like, like, whatever, you drive off the aliens and your ship lands. He's like, I can't take the luggage off of the top rack because I have six strength. (laughs) And so now Adam's getting visibly upset. And we're... We can't help it. Like, the voice that he's doing is top-notch. And the fact that Adam was normally calm, cool, and collected is starting to get pissed off. We just start laughing. And it's just like, Guys, I can't climb down. Because the ship, of course, I can't climb. I can't climb down from the ship, guys. Which has now become the voice of his character. And and then we start feeding the troll. And we're like, Sean, why can't you get down off the ship? Oh, because I can't climb. Because I'm so extreme. And Adam eventually just like, that's it. That's enough. I'm done. And just (sighs) kisses his hands storms off. And we're cracking up. We never play the game again. But anytime, like to this day, till this was probably in like 2003 that, that he did this in high school. We're now 30 year old adults when we play a game, and if, if if one of our characters is not able to physically do something, it is because and then we <laughs> go to the high pitched teenager voice. I have
0: six strength. I can't. Oh my god! Do it.
1: So See, there's the story of Sean, the master of destroying games.
0: So yeah, I I'd, I'd love to to talk about how people can destroy games and all that kind of stuff. Uh I, I I remember. Oh, I I remember one of the first games, it might have been the first game that I tried to run. Well, I must have been I must have been like 15 or 16. Poor poor little Austin. Oh, wait, no. You know what? I I think I was it's the first year that we were in high school. Nah, uh, you would have been 13, 14. Oh my god. Uh I so know. I know. Oh my god! You're old. I I was I was like I must have been 14. I tried running my first game, and EverQuest was a really popular game at the time. Uh, uh, you might remember that that's how Morrison and I became friends.
1: That's like the precursor to World of Warcraft.
0: Yeah. Oh yes, yes. That was that was one of the one of the early MMOs. Um. So. This game was really cool, and we've and I've been playing D and D, so I said, you know what, I'm gonna run an EverQuest RPG. I, I was in Barnes and Noble, I think, and they had the EverQuest RPG rule book for playing it with Dungeons and Dragons. So I set out to to run my first game, uh, and I and we got our friends together. Uh, we had we had Ryan, we had we had we had a few people uh, playing the game, and the quest was literally to. Go find orcs and get their belts because that was like the most popular quest in EverQuest.
1: That's true. You got to get them crushbone uh, belts. Baby.
0: Yes, that that was a, there was an economy running around crushbone belts in the game because they got you a lot of experience when you turn them into to fulfill a repeatable quest. Uh, so that was their first quest, and it was my mistake, I guess, my poor little fourteen year old mistake that when they walked into the woods. Uh, I I said that that you know they they were surprised by orcs and they they asked oh what where are the orcs and they said oh they're they're hiding behind the trees like they're <laughs> oh, right behind. Oh
1: god, now I remember the story. It, it, am I missing anything with the story? No, because...
0: no the orcs trees. You're pretty much covering it, big guy. Don't let me stop you. Yeah, so uh, the orcs were hiding behind trees, and for some reason, this was unbelievable to everyone at the table, and it was ridiculous that these or, that that. <laughs> that these orcs were hiding behind individual trees. And basically we we almost stopped playing there. I think they got a little bit further, but they couldn't stop laughing about how the orcs were, all orcs were hiding behind trees, like these huge <laughs> broad orcs that were, you know, like that, that were probably, I don't know, like, like five feet wide were hiding behind <laughs> these like two feet wide trees. Uh, and they, they, they just couldn't help themselves. And that was probably the last time I ran a game for probably three years uh first and last time um in in my my confidence which was at that age non-existent was crushed that that one for you
1: was it was it morrison
0: oh i don't i I couldn't even tell you who was playing the games i I think i know morrison was probably there but it was probably morrison it was probably chris we had a few other friends do you I, i could not tell you oh yeah
1: do you remember the time that morrison broke my game in one sentence what which game the Oriental Adventures adventure.
0: Oh my god, everyone remembers that That now that you remind me of it. That is,
1: you want to talk about soul crushing. So yes, to answer your question, yes, this is the Oriental Adventures was uh, uh, a Dungeon Dragon's like almost like a, it was a supplement. mod where you played in like feudal japan where there's was-
0: yeah there was one for everquest rules and there's yeah. one for playing for playing like ninjas and, and, and I, it's Sam- called oriental adventures so there's lots of things all mashed together i guess because we can't differentiate them but- so
1: this is the story of ryan video game attorney morrison destroying my game in one sentence i think it's the quickest the game has ever been killed And I honestly forgot about it. I did a whole bunch of prep work for this game, and I I forgot because maybe I just wanted to repress the fact that Morrison destroyed my game. I write an adventure. I mean, like, there's – I'm not saying that I'm the next George R.R. Martin, but the story was good. There was an evil, like, samurai wizard, and he was going to summon a whole bunch of undead, and the group would have to band together because they're all from different feudal clans. So they would all have to work together to solve the mystery. Oh, it sounds awesome. He was resurrecting all these dead bodies, and they would have to work together.
0: I don't know. (laughs) So. But, I, I
1: mean, the minutiae is lost on a, a teenager. They forget things. Like, uh, like these guys who write these books are professionals. They they know what they're doing. Like, someone like a dragon swoops down. They know exactly how to describe it. When George R. R. Martin describes things, he knows what he's doing.
0: They don't put five-foot orcs behind two-foot trees. T- two-foot trees because
1: it ruins the immersion for
0: people. So,
1: I, I start – I mean, the game has started. People have spent, like, an hour or two making characters. And I start the game with – All right. So you guys are in front of like a a large uh, cat. It was like a tavern. And uh, the, the innkeeper opens up the sliding glass door and invites you inside. And Morrison just looks right at me, and this is in front of all of our friends. This is like my first game I've ever ran, and I'm super excited. He goes, there's no sliding glass doors in feudal Japan. Feudal
0: Japan. Japan." Oh, my God. I can still hear him saying it.
1: I never forget the way – because he says fucking idiot very specifically, and I apologize to curse so much on this episode. But he says fucking idiot so bitingly mean. And, like, this is one of the first times you hear it and you say it to your friend, and I'm like – and I got nothing. Like, I'm like – he's right. There is no sign glass doors, at the doors in feudal Japan. But I'm like, oh, well, and everybody just erupts into laughter and that's it. It's over. Like it's, yeah. like, I can't gather. The, I can't muster the troops. I can't do anything. I'm like, yeah, you're right. And that's and, it. like, I just like, I look at the floor defeated and he has destroyed the game.
0: And again, this is, this is partially because of age, partially because we're all friends, but, uh, yeah, that especially when you're when, when you're that new, when you're when you confidence, and this is a this is definitely an age thing, partially at least. Yes. Uh, that that you don't have any confidence. I mean, eventually some people might get confidence, they might not, whatever.
1: Or you but, roll with the punches, like like if you did yeah. that when I was older, you'd be like. You're a fucking glass. Well, no, see, that fucking. you like, you know what? what e- you're right. Like, I'd be like, yeah, you're right. It's he slow. He opens like a a paper door, I guess, or like a
0: yeah, yeah. And but well, and, but regardless, it actually you just you just made me realize it. It really is. not an age thing. It really is. It really like like this is an experience thing. Like like now you've run a bunch of games. You ran you ran an awesome one-shot uh, when we were all hanging out in what was it Vermont? Yeah. Uh, that that was phenomenal. You're actually you're actually really good at running even though you probably prefer playing, but you're pretty good at running. You know, now that's experience. Like if if you had if that had happened now, it's not an age thing I don't think. I think it's really an experience. If you'd start, if you had started running I think running, it's partially
1: an age thing cuz it's it it does like like you've done a good job this episode of explaining how like in real life certain things pop up. I think It does give you some certain real life experiences. Like, you will get, like, who else can critique you better than the people that know you best? So it's like, yeah, like you learn to roll with the punches, and that does kind of come with age and experience. I think they go hand in hand. Like they do you have to get used to the fact that you need to roll with the punches. If someone calls you out on your BS, you got to be able to laugh at yourself and move on. Like that's yeah. it. Otherwise, but that's, that's you absolutely freeze, like I did. It's
0: absolutely an experience thing. Uh, and yes, it's an age and experience thing, but it, it's because D and D is generally heavily improvised because because there's a DM, your players are never going to follow the track. So it's like. It's like it's like a deba- it's like in debate or a speech. You shouldn't memorize your speech like you shouldn't memorize the speech. You should memorize the points because if you lose your place in the speech, if your players run off the track and you only memorized how things were supposed to happen, then you you lose your place entirely and you don't know where to go next. Whereas if you if you know the bullet points, if you know the outline, you're comfortable because you've practiced if you're comfortable and practiced at improvising, then you can just make up whatever the fuck is going to happen next or or oh it Christ. fails spectacularly. Or it fails spectacularly, but with but with more experience, you have less failures, and it. See, that's why that's why I'm saying it's like one of the best things you could do with your brain because it's so fun and because it, it, you learn so much doing you, it. Because when it preps friend... you for public speaking. I did. I don't give a crap about public speaking because I run games as much as I can. Because I I, I realize oh it's only like like six people, but I've had to sing for groups of people, and I don't care anymore. It's. <laughs> It's, I, I, I've i sang it like
1: grown men, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, and you <laughs> have to be able to think on your feet because our friends are devious little bastards. Like another time when we were teenagers, I tried to run a pre-made one. So it's like sometimes they'll write the adventures for you and all you have to do is kind of like plug in your own characters and like make the story fit. So like this story is supposed to begin in a graveyard where you have to go investigate a mausoleum. So I start the adventure. I'm like, you guys are standing outside a mausoleum and it seems haunted. And Morrison instantly looks at me, and that little, you know, his smirk that he's got, that smug little jackass smirk, <laughs> creeps across the face. He goes, Oh, then I leave. And I'm like, What do you mean you leave? He's like, Oh, well, taunted. I don't want to be here. I'm going to go back to the bar. And I'm like, <laughs> And there's no rules for that. There's no rules in the pre made things. There's rules for going back to the bar. So I'm like, you go back to the park. It's like, yeah, I order a couple <laughs> drinks for my friends and we just hang out instead of going, you know, exploring a spooky cemetery. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> I hate you so much.
0: And again, actually, uh, it's funny. I've watched a YouTube video the other day. It was the Pete Holmes show where they were starting a game and he'd never played D&D before. And the group was like, oh, that's right. We're going to go on the quest for like the Blade of Alzix. And he's like, oh, I, I want to I wanna order something at the tavern. And he ended up spending at the tavern for like four real life hours. And the other people left eventually because they had killed the master of the Necromancer's cavern. <laughs> and he was still in the tavern drinking and eating. And the, and the DM was like, "Ugh." Oh, this—it <laughs> is a game. It gives, you, it gives yeah. you the ability to do whatever you want, so long as you make it easy on the DM by making sure everyone sticks together. Because if three oh, players are off. Oh, that happens because if there's three players that are that are going through a cavern looking for a kidnapped mayor, and because you know, because his because his, his wife is worried about him, and then there's one player that stays in town, drinks, and then seduces the wife. I mean, actually, that kind of stuff can be fun if you can juggle balls like that. Uh, and Austin but- is pretty good at
1: juggling balls
0: (laughs) yes thank you i appreciate the vote of confidence in my dungeon mastering skill oh just Uh, know that i'm 100
1: percent behind you if you want to continue to juggle balls in the future
0: oh i i you have to do it it's a it's a regular you you, man it's 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 something you have to regularly have to do and no that didn't go over my head (laughs) yeah so it can break your brain if you're not practiced and that's also why you can't be a jerk if you're playing with uh with a new dm you kind of have to like help them out and let them get up to speed and you know Give them, some, give them some some, experience and some cooperation.
1: I, so I, I think we've done a good job. We've hit the nail on the head. We've given people some things to think about, to talk about. Maybe we've even converted one person to playing D&D.
0: They do not need advertisement. But Critical Role is probably the best, and it's Critical and Role, like R-O-L-E. It like is the roles probably, that we
1: play in life.
0: Yes, uh, or the role that you're playing when you're playing Dorbex, the warrior of the north. Dorbex? and. I, I don't know. I just made up a name. <laughs> I'm not... that. Okay, yeah. Tip, if you ever run a game, by the way, if you have an index card with a bunch of names on it, that's the best thing you can do, because it's hard to count with names on the fly. Critical Role is probably one of the best ambassadors to D&D. It is not... It is, like, the perfect game, though. So, it is not what you're going to get when you start playing with your friends, but it is... It shows people what D&D can be, like, it because they have no idea what it is, and these are... Freaking! It might have started with Vin Diesel, but freaking celebrities are on D and D now. Like I know Joe Manganiello is the D and D player. He's from True Blood and like a bunch of stuff. He's like a he's like a big actor. There's lots of names and handsome, attractive people playing D and D. We're not those. We are not those people. And you
1: might not be those people either. But don't let that detract you.
0: You go out there.
1: And you go play those games. You go and play. D&D. Austin and I will help you juggle those balls. I I hope you've all learned some things and have not turned off the episode by now. But either way, thank you for joining
0: us. Yes, You're... I am Ryan. Well, I... you are Ryan. Who? Who are you? I I was going to be Ryan Morrison actually. I'm uh... di <laughs> am Austin Hoffman. You can follow me on Twitter at robot Austin. And you can't follow me because I'm not on the internet. Please, I didn't get to see a lot of the the fan art that was posted of O'Connor. There's uh, fan based art based on what you. Yes, uh, because remember, I've I've been asking people to draw pictures of what they think you look like and tweet them to the show. They've been tweeting them to Morrison. That's at Video Game Attorney. But he, his, he gets so much stuff on his feed. I never saw any of the photos. So please tweet them to at Robot Congress because he described them to me. They sounded fantastic, and I really want O'Connor to see them too. So. Draw a picture of what you think O'Connor looks like based on his voice, especially now that we've done the D&D episode. And, um, you know, just tweet it to the show. I'd appreciate that. That'd be awesome. Also,
1: like and subscribe to us on iTunes and give us five stars if you think we deserve it. Hashtag five stars only. Or or three after this episode. I get it.
0: Listen, uh, six stars after this episode because we've introduced you to some new ideas that you might not be comfortable with but you might love in the future.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're such a good little advertiser. Good night. (laughs) Good day.
0: That was a HeadGum Podcast.